Hey, my name's Ian Begley. You're watching the NBA Exchange with Dexter Henry. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. It's your boy Dexter Henry here with you on the NBA Exchange. Good weekend of basketball. I'll say good Sunday of basketball. We had two games yesterday that kicked off the second round. We're going to talk about that. We got two more games to kick off the other side, I guess, of the second round. That'll go down tonight. That should be interesting. Here with me to talk about that, particularly about the Miami Heat. You see this guy with me every week on a hard to tell podcast. So this is like you get two a hard to tell podcasts this week because we got one coming for y'all tomorrow live. That is my man, Brian Fonseca. You also see him on FanDuel. You also see him doing his thing with basketballnews.com. He has a new show out that we are going to talk about as well too today, but you know why he's here. Brian knows why he's here. It's because a lot of this conversation is going to be about the Miami Heat. And we all know Brian's expertise <laughs> around the Miami Heat. See, I didn't even, I didn't even say anything about uh, fandom. I just said, about your expertise around the Miami Heat. That's it. How you doing, Brian? Yeah, expertise is the the word I would prefer there. <laughs> yes, I'm um, sure it is. I'm there sure team it is. I, I've watched very closely uh, for the last few seasons. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see uh, this playoff series against the Philadelphia 76ers from a, a standpoint of, because I know how much, or I've gotten to know how much these fan bases hate one another. So it's going to be entertaining to watch uh, from a from a hopefully safe distance that it doesn't get too violent. But yeah, doing all right. <laughs> healthy and <laughs> healthy and safe distance. Yes, that that's what we need. Uh, but yesterday, uh, second round got kicked off, and we had the Bucks, oh, two road teams winning. So we had the Bucks go up to Beantown, beat the Celtics. They looked pretty good, despite no Middleton. We had the Warriors in a what I thought was a fantastically entertaining game on the road, getting a win down in Memphis. Uh, there. What did you think about these wins by the Bucks and the Warriors uh, to start the second round? Were you impressed by how the road teams looked here, Brian? Yeah, and I wasn't totally surprised either uh, because, I, as I did mention before we got started here, did did do a little parlay: Bucks plus four and a half, and then Warriors to win on the money line, and that ended up cashing in. So I, I kind of saw this coming to an extent. I thought that the Bucks would win Game One because, and I should have taken the money line in hindsight, but. I thought that the Bucs would win game one just because I think even without Chris Middleton, they have enough. And Boston, I think maybe we've been very gassed because of, one, how they look that second part of the season, you know, when they've really got their stuff together. And then in the playoffs against the Brooklyn Nets, who honestly, and we've talked about this, were never really that good of a team. And shit we're barely a team because they didn't have a lot of time to become one right and they were able to take advantage of that matchup and exploit a lot of their weaknesses but at the same time I also don't want to overstate this because it is game one and I'm the guy who says you know I say this quote weird shit happens in game one every year um but I do think that you know it's it's not great if you're the home team to go out and lose lose those games but I think both teams have the capability of uh you know winning on the road and in the case of Memphis and Golden State, I think it was just big for Golden State to win that despite losing Draymond Green, in which I didn't think they should have. Like, that should not have been a flagrant two. But regardless, right. it was. Um, he got ejected. And then for them to hang on, uh, you know, and win that game, like, that was big. And that's a blow to Memphis, who, you know, as the series goes on, like, they were just playing against Minnesota in Minnesota a couple of nights before. So, like, they're going to be tired. Uh, and this series can potentially wear on them. Golden State had a little bit more rest, so I'm interested to see how that plays out too. Yeah, definitely interesting to see. Yeah, that was a big win by Golden State, considering Clay missed two free throws in the final seconds, which was shocking. I was like, damn, and for them to hold on and still get that win, that is huge for them on the road. On the flip side, are you concerned about this for the Grizzlies or Celtics? Because you talked about how, look, weird shit happens in game one. No doubt about that at all. But are you concerned, especially with the Celtics, right? Because they didn't necessarily look like who we thought that they were. But this is a much bigger physical team in the Bucks. Any concern around these teams following the game one loss? I think the Celtics should be fine for game two. Um, but then at home, uh, you know, when Milwaukee goes home, like they're a tough team on their home floor. And Brooke Lopez has played well since coming back from injury. Bobby Portis has had some big games as of late. And they still have Drew Holiday out there. So even without Chris Middleton, who – 
It's going to be tough, but like maybe there's a chance that even though reports are saying they expect them to be out for the series, maybe there's a chance that the Bucks have a 3-2 lead, they're going back to their home floor, and then Chris Middleton is available for that game six. Like that can get very dicey there. So if you're if you're Boston, you want to pick it up and win some of these games, and you're seeing like, you know, Robert Williams didn't make it out 100% healthy in mm-hmm. game one. And, you know, Marcus Smart got his shoulder popped out, left the game, came back, and then left again. Like, like it, this is going to be a physically taxing series. Whoever gets to the Eastern Conference Finals is going to have gone through a war. And uh, look, I think Boston absolutely needs to win. You can't go down game two. I mean, you can't go down 2-0 and then go on the road. Like, you cannot let that happen. But I think yeah. they'll be okay in that regard, and it's still going to be a close series. And then with the Grizzlies and Warriors, like, I think the Warriors are going to win this series. Uh, not not in dominant fashion, but, like, I do think that it won't go to seven. I think it'll go to, like, five or six um, because the Warriors are that good, and they're going de- to be better down the stretch late in games, as we saw even without Draymond Green in game one. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they will. Real quick on that Bucks Celtics game, the one thing I did like, and I thought of you, I said, "Yo, I loved how that game was officiated. They let them play, and I actually really loved it. It was physical. There wasn't too much whistle blowing. I liked how that game was officiated. Give us, yeah. give us, give us more of that. We, yeah. we can do that, and, right. and just consistent yeah. officiating all around because officiating in the playoffs has not been great in general." But no. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I actually liked how I, I don't know. I enjoyed watching that game. It was physicality, but it felt fine because they were letting it go as they should. It was fair on both sides. Uh, let's talk about the Heat. You, you know, you, the team, you are an expert at. Uh, <laughs> the Heat disposed of Atlanta in five games. I thought they were really impressive. I spoke about this with Gerard, our boy Gerard, last week. How I wonder how this will change the narrative that people have around Trey Young. Uh, because the way they shut him down, they put the clamps on him. I see you smiling right there. They put the clamps on that man. There was nothing he could do. I feel like you're impressed with the Heat, but now you and I were talking about this before we started. Now everybody's going to be on the Heat. They're kind of in looking in this front runner mode. They weren't your typical one seed coming in, but when now they did what he did to Atlanta, everybody's like, "Oh, the Heat are actually good." Brian's like, "I've been telling you this." Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How impressed were you with how they played against Atlanta? Or were you not even that impressed? Because you're like, yo, this is what they do. Honestly, like I could really sit up here and argue and be like, they really won that series 5-0. But they just, you know, Trey Young Young just hit that shot in game three. And then they ended up winning. Like, I think think the scoring margin was plus 60 at the end of the series. um, And Atlanta only won their game by one point. But like, I was impressed with what they did defensively. And it's like, look, if you're a team who's built around one star, you're just not going to beat the Heat in a series, the way they can game plan with Eric Spolster leading the way, but then also the way they can execute, right? Like, I think that's an important thing. Like, we could talk about great coaching all you want, but if guys don't execute, then that's a whole other thing. And we've seen that time and time again. Like, we know having played basketball back in the day, just because your coach tells you to run some shit don't mean your team is going to do it. But the Heat are very good at doing it, and they were able to, like, look, they switched a lot of guys on to Trey Young. P.J. Tucker, he couldn't shake him. And then he would switch off, and then it'll be Jimmy Butler waiting there. And then they'll switch off again, and it'll be Bam Adebayo waiting there. And then Gabe Vincent will come in the game and check Trey Young and face guard him. And then he couldn't get by Max Struess. And it's like, those are the sort of things that you can see. I think Trey Young, um, like, in that series in particular – was going to struggle. I didn't think it was going to be like that. Um, And then from there, it's like, save for DeAndre Hunter having a really good series, that could have been a lot worse and probably would have been sweet. So, yeah, that definitely could have happened. But like I said, they had the clamps on Trey Young. Um, Heading into this series now for Miami, they will take on the Philadelphia 76ers. And there's a lot around injuries surrounding this series. First off, on the Heat side, no Kyle Lowry for game run one. He missed the last couple of games of the Hawks series. The Heat looked fine without him, which is also very impressive and a testament to their depth. Uh, Should we be concerned with no Kyle Lowry here? And do you expect to see him back sometime in the series? Yeah, I mean, he should be back, but hamstrings are tricky. And when you're in your mid-30s, hamstrings are tricky. You know, Kyle Lowry is, um, I believe he's 36 years old at this point now. So you want to be very, very careful with that. And the Heat also know, like, I think, I think this is why Jimmy Butler didn't play in game five. Like, I I wouldn't say it's arrogance on their part, but they kind of knew, like, 
We can close the series out at home. We don't need you to be bothered. <laughs> Kyle Lowry, right? Why? Because it's like, all right, Victor Oladipo, we just played you for the first time in this playoff series last game. You're going to start. And this is why playoff depth matters. And this is going to be something I'm doing on this is coming to basketball news very soon. But um, let you know, like playoff depth matters more than we've realized. A lot of teams that win championships, they're not just star heavy. They have deep rotations. We've talked about this a number of different times. And it's not even just the teams that didn't have quote unquote superstars. And I think the Heat, if you're looking at them and looking at their path to a championship, it's not in the same way that Golden State was a few years ago, but it's possible because you would be looking at the Spurs from like 2013-14, where mm. it was a little more balanced. And it's like Tim Duncan was past his prime. Manu Ginobili was past his prime. People thought he should have retired after the finals the year before. Uh, Tony Parker was like at the end of his prime or like, you know, right right at, at like the last sort of stages of it and Kawhi Leonard who won finals MVP hadn't yet really become a star until the next season right and then aside from that they had you know depth they had Patty Mills Tiago Splitter Boris Diaw etc and the 2011 Dallas Mavericks who had Dirk Nowitzki but they also had a great veterans around them. the second best player on that team was Jason Terry <laughs> you know what I mean like and people would say like those teams typically don't win titles and the, 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 it's to say the 2004 Detroit Pistons aren't the only outlier here, right? So I think without, without Kyle Lowry, the depth matters so much because they can just plug in Victor Oladipo, who's looked quite good the last few times we've seen him, especially on the defensive end. Like, he still has that there. And they're the, they're the one team in the Eastern Conference where, like, they can – and they've been doing it all season. Like, Jimmy Butler misses some time. All right, Caleb Martin – Go go play the Jimmy Butler role today. No Kyle Lowry. All right, here's Gabe Vincent or Victor Oladipo, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Markeith Morris hasn't played in the playoffs yet. He's still there. He's just sitting there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they have depth, and that's going to matter at some point because, as we've seen, injuries like are happening in the playoffs again. It's depth, and the guys always are ready. That's the thing. You don't know. It's like sometimes you don't know who's going to play for the Heat, but you know they're going to be ready. Like, right, you, you yeah. know you you know that much. Now, the other side of the injury thing for the Sixers is Joel Embiid out with an orbital fracture, concussion. There was reporting by Woj yesterday that he'll definitely miss games one and two. Uh, there's a possibility he could return to either games three or four. I think people would look at this and say, hey, this is a huge break for the Miami Heat. They don't have to deal with Joel Embiid. But as you and I know, Brian, watching sports all these years covering it, it's very possible for teams to sometimes relax, let their guard down. How does the Joel Embiid injury factor here for the Heat? Do you look at this as an advantage for them with him not being on the floor, or are you uh, concerned they might relax a little bit too much knowing that he's not playing games one or two? I mean, you know, the Heat, uh, for all the great things they do, they they could play to their competition a little bit, you know? Uh, so I do think that some 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 Heat fans that I know, obviously, they're going to they're gonna be testy if uh, if the Heat aren't up by 10 at the end of the first quarter, which is probably not going to be the case. They're, they're kind of slow starters. Not in the way like Felix Trinidad was, where he would get knocked down in the first round of a lot of fights, but they're kind of slow starters. Um, <laughs> but if you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, like, if you take off Joel Embiid and you're talking about obviously an MVP candidate, some people had him as MVP. He was in my top three. Um, you look at the rest of the roster and not only is it comparable to the Atlanta Hawks team that he just beat, but that Hawks team might be better because if you're taking the top four for each team, Trey Young, uh, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Bogdan Bogdanovich for Atlanta. It's not even getting mm-hmm. to like Kevin Herter, Darrell Wright, you know, pretty good players off the bench, et cetera. Atlanta, I mean, Philadelphia, it's James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and Matisse Thybul. Trey Young's better than James Harden, right? Like, at this point, we would have to admit that. Um, and you know I'm not a huge fan of either, but I'll take Trey Young there. Um, John Collins is better than Tobias Harris, or at least that's a wash. That's probably a wash. I would probably say that that's a wash. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is better than Matisse Thybul, not defensively necessarily, but all around better. And then you have Tyrese Maxey and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Tyrese Maxey is probably better there, but like it's pretty close. And that's really to say beyond that, who are you really worried about if you're Miami? Danny Green? George's Niang? Like you're going to see Paul Reed, who I think people call a b-ball ball for whatever reason. Um, And then 
we might have to see DeAndre Jordan in this series. Like, now it's like, woo, man, yeah. nobody wants to play DeAndre Jordan in the series. We've known that from the last couple of years of the playoffs. Woo. It's like it's like Joel Embiid really masks a lot by just being out there and being Joel Embiid. And mm. I think Joel Embiid, like if we're being honest, he probably was going to struggle in this series too because of how the Heat can sort of gang defend him um, and switch and things of that nature. Like his physicality would be a lot and get guys in foul trouble. But you know he would at the at the bare minimum have to work hard for all of his production. So I think that the Sixers aren't very deep, and I think that the Heat are, and they're going to take advantage of that. So the the, the second units are going to be something to watch here because that's going to be very important for Miami. And the fact that Philadelphia is going to have to really play their starters a lot. Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and James Harden all average forty plus minutes per game against the Raptors in that series. Mm-hmm. If you do that against the Heat, there's going to be they're going to be even harder minutes. Even even harder because of the way they play and grind. So yeah, I'm concerned about how they're going to be able to score. You're asking a lot of Maxi, who I like, but you're asking a lot of him, uh, first time on this stage to be a secondary scorer at a minimum, maybe tertiary, uh, depending on what you get from Tobias Harris. So that's that's very interesting. Probably primary without Joel Embiid. <laughs> yeah, especially in the minutes where Harden's not on the floor. Yeah, you're right about that. You're you're definitely right about that. So. Embiid, just talk about him coming back. And if you're a Sixers fan, that's optimism for you there. Does it concern you, you know, if you're playing against a team one way when he's not there, how do you think they defend Joel Embiid when he comes back? Um, Because, you know, he's he might not be the same guy. We don't know what he's going to look like coming back from his concussion orbital fracture. Uh, Is he a problem, some guy you ought to worry about when he comes back? Or, you know, even if he's 80, 90 percent of himself. I, yeah, I think you'll see some zones, some matchup zone. I think you'll see different combinations thrown at him. I think, you know, Bam will be on him. Deadman will be on him when he comes off the bench. You'll see some P.J. Tucker, et cetera. You don't really want to wind up in a switch where Gabe Vincent is on him. So you want to try to avoid that. You'll see double teams for sure. Um, I remember a game. Uh, I don't remember if it was the game that James Harden skipped, but <laughs> that James Harden skipped. But it was uh, earlier this season where, like, uh, one of James Harden's first games with the Sixers or his first week or whatever the case may be. And they had a uh, a back-to-back, I think, against Miami. And he didn't end up playing that day. Joel Embiid did. And it was not fun. There was a lot of double teams and triple teams. They were able to focus on him. And there was a game last year where toward the end of the year before the Heat ended up falling apart in the playoffs, this was the game that uh, Udonis Haslam fought, quote-unquote, fought Dwight Howard where they held Joel Embiid to like six or eight points or whatever. So they've had some success in defending him uh, even, you know, not this current version that's firing on all cylinders, so to speak. And I think that when he does come back, yeah, they're going to throw some different combinations at him and he's going to get a lot of different looks. And it's just going to be a pain in the ass. Like, that's the main thing. It's like you can get your 26 and 11, but like it'll be a pain in the ass for you to even get that. And it'll also, you know, potentially take the offense out of their rhythm, out of their flow. The main thing would be just staying out of foul trouble. And what I would also say is that the main thing, is because you know he's not coming back to at least game three or four, although with the orbital fracture, I feel like it might be a little bit longer than that. Um, you better go up 2-0 going back to Philadelphia <laughs> if you're well, Miami. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? The pressure's on Miami to take care of business, uh, particularly in those first two games at home, which kind of leads me into the, the next question I wanted to ask, which is kind of something that we've talking about. We talked about how the Sixers don't have much depth. Right. You're asking a lot of Max. You're asking a lot of Tobias Harris, particularly in the minutes when Harden is not on the floor. Is there any way you can see the Sixers being dangerous here without Embiid for Miami? Or is it all sort of mental? Like if they don't focus on taking care of business against Miami, that's kind of when they become dangerous. Yeah, it's weird to say that a team is playing with house money in the playoffs. But we kind of know, given the situation that like. It would benefit them to just play more freely in this way because they know Joel Embiid is not going to be there. And it's like, all right, so, you know, whatever, like, let's just balls to the wall, try our best. Like that might benefit a young Tyrese Maxey who doesn't know what he doesn't know and had a good series in the first round. And it's just going to go balls to the wall here. And if he's able to get some looks and get his shots, like maybe that'll benefit him. It might benefit James Harden who say what you want about him. Like he's still a good player at least. Uh, even and I would say even more so than that, in terms of dealing with pressure, I mean, if he doesn't feel pressure in the situation, which he says he's not, then 
maybe that benefits him in a weird Zen sort of way. Tobias Harris, et cetera, et cetera. Like, if they're going to play free, then, yeah, they're going to be a dangerous team. A house money team is always a dangerous team. And to your point, like, yeah, the Heat have more pressure because Joel Embiid is not there to win these two games on their whole floor. Now, they thrive in pressure scenarios all the time. Um, they had, they've had a few this year, including a blow-up to which – Ever since then, they've turned it around. I think they've only lost like one game since then. And that was a game where nobody played because it was the end of the season, the last game of the season, Victoria Deep at 40. But, you know, these are two teams that like it's going to be an interesting matchup just from a rivalry standpoint also. So I think there's going to be some of that in there as well, uh, particularly when you're talking about Jimmy Butler. Like I, one of the things that I'm looking for from a narrative standpoint is just Jimmy Butler back at Philadelphia in this playoff mm-hmm. series. And this is why I wanted Joel Embiid to be healthy. Like, I was bummed out when I saw that he was injured because I want to see everybody at full strength for this playoff run. So um, I'm hoping that Joel Embiid is able to come back at some point just so we can see it. And specifically in Philadelphia to where it's like, all right, Kyle Lowry's back home in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid is there and Jimmy Butler's there and the crowd's probably going to give it to him. And you just want to see like that. That's a Sunday 1 p.m. game right there waiting to happen. I, see, I would be mad at the Philly fans for giving it to Jimmy Butler, man. Like, y'all know y- y'all know he's not the problem. Y'all know that front office and choosing Brett Brown and Ben Simmons, that was a mistake. It ain't Jimmy Butler. And Tobias Harris, because Tobias Harris also got his max. And that Jimmy too. That's true. Y'all should be mad at the front office. Y'all should be booing them, not booing Jimmy Butler. That's ridiculous. But you know Philly fans. Like, they're going to they're gonna take it out. I, of I, I, I do. And look. I, Philly fans, I know I'm actually going to be down in Philly uh, this week and Thursday, and I will see some friends down there. And, yeah, they, they're annoyed at Doc Rivers for keeping Joel Embiid in this game. They're always annoyed. You know, they're, they're always annoyed. Are there any concerns? I think one of the concerns – you and I talked about this the last time you were on the show. We've talked about it with other friends. One of the concerns has always been, like, oh, the Heat, their offense. Do they have enough offense, particularly in late-game situations? Um the Sixers, we talked about them not having enough depth. Heat offense looked pretty fine to me <laughs> against Atlanta. Um, looked like it was humming pretty well, particularly late. You can even go to that one game where they lost game three, uh, games like game three, where uh, Trey Young hits the runner. I still thought they made pretty good plays down the stretch there. You know, bounce here, bounce there. Yeah, until, the, cons- until the very last one. Until last the very few. last bounce. Yeah. Yes, the very last few bounces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any concern? about their offense or do you feel like it's been hitting their stride better late into the season into the playoffs now and this is an offense that's built for late game situations in the playoffs when things get tight maybe even against other good defensive teams well you know that a point that I usually make is that good teams win ugly and Miami is proven to do that so I think that it's also important to note that you could close games on defense by making defensive stops like they did to close out the series against the Atlanta Hawks but in regards to their offense I would say for me, there was a stretch, particularly in games, maybe the second half of game two onto game three. Uh, I, I thought that they were settling for way too many three-pointers and not driving enough, or they would drive to kick and not with the intention to really finish outside of Jimmy Butler, who would get to the line and get his. That was the issue I had with their offense at some point, but then they ended up balancing that out, and then you saw more variance in their offense after that. I think that's something they have to watch for because especially with Joel Embiid not there, you don't need to drive and kick as much. And look, the Heat have shooters. They have a lot of different shooters. But you can also drive to just try to finish. And I think that's the important thing, like get guys in their spots. And one of the encouraging things or discouraging, you could look at it. I guess it's in the eye of the beholder. But like one of the things from the first series was as dominant as they were. I didn't feel like they played that great on offense, partially because Tyler Hero never really got going, and Bam Adebayo never really got going. For Bam, it was difficult because he had COVID right at the, as the season ended, didn't go with the team on their trip to the Bahamas or whatever the case may be, and was sort of like thrown back out there for game one. And, uh, you know, the game sort of dictated that he wouldn't do much, and then the next game he had foul trouble, so he never really got into his rhythm. Tyler Hero just didn't really get to as many of his spots, didn't hit shots, and then other guys were also cooking, so it was like – you know, you're going to play through Max Struess if he has it going. Jimmy Butler had it going the entire series. Gabe Vincent yep. was hitting some of his shots, et cetera, et cetera. And P.J. Tucker had a really good series offensively also. So And defensively. Yeah, and Kyle Lowry hit some shots. So it's like it's they have such a well-balanced team. Like, it didn't matter that their second and third best players 
didn't have it going at all. Like for all the people who say Bam Adebayo lacks aggression, as a non-primary option on offense, averaged 19 and 10 this year. You know what I mean? Like, and he's somebody who should really take advantage of the Sixers team. You would think. You would think. I mean, cut you off. You would think he would have a good series here. Yeah, uh, with no MB there in the middle, and there's opportunities for him to take advantage and really score if he is if he is indeed aggressive. Yeah, I think that, that's the thing, right? It's like those two guys haven't really got going yet, and they should at some point, and they have at the same time many times. You know, mm-hmm. they have a nice combination there. Um, to buy uh, Tyler Hero's on-off numbers weren't great in the first in the first round, so we'll see how that goes here. But like, yeah, they should be able to get to their spots against this Philadelphia 76ers team who, because what are you going to do if Tyler Hero has it going? You're going to throw Matisse Thybul on him? Okay, then who's going to guard Jimmy Butler? Or, you know, Max Struess if he has it going? Or Duncan Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, let, 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 and this this is goes to the next thing. Let, let's look at what we're saying here. Look, look at what we're saying here, how problematic this could be. I'll say could. Yeah. Could be for the Sixers, right? It's that depth you're talking about and guys that can get it going. We're talking about Max Struess getting it going. Who thought they were going to be talking about Max Struess getting it going in the playoffs? And that's no shade to Max Struess. I'm just saying that's I'm saying that actually is a testament to the Miami Heat's development. I hope people don't think I'm shade of Max Struess because right. I'm no. not. Yeah. But it's 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 the depth there. When you looked at the fact that Kyle Lowry didn't get to play the last couple of games B of the series, and in the last game of the series they were like, eh, Jimmy Butler, no, we don't we don't, we don't need him. Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta's got to feel a way about that. Yeah. But that's what happened, right? And now even you have the, the time to get things right with Kyle Lowry. You talked about his hamstring nagging at his age and his mid-30s and all that stuff. But because of the depth and having the time to get that right, what I wanted to ask you was how do you think that depth and the way Spolstra has been able to just plug guys in here confident, confidently, that's got to build the other confidence of guys up on this roster because we always hear next man up. You know, you always hear that, right? Yeah. But the guys seem ready because they see other guys being ready when they have their opportunity and getting it done. And that depth is proven to be pretty valuable, even in later rounds when people generally say you want to tighten your roster. Yeah, because you don't have anybody. I'm looking at it now. You have one guy on this team. And here's here's the, the, the interesting thing, right? If you look at Philly, for example, they're more top heavy. They have four guys from the Raptors series who averaged 39 minutes or more. And those are the four guys that we talked about earlier, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and James Harden. Uh, I think Embiid is the only one that didn't get to 40 minutes per game in that series. And then on the Heat side, Jimmy Butler averaged 37 minutes per game, nobody else more than 31. And actually, other than Bam, everybody's under 30. Under 30. And you're talking about 11 different guys who saw meaningful minutes in that series. Their rotation is 10-11 deep, and that's something that can work in the playoffs because, again, like, these are guys who are ready. They understand like they're not they're not playing for numbers or who's going to get this or whatever the case may be. Like there's a lot of different things and they could win in a lot of different ways. And it's not sexy, but it's effective. And with Tyler Hero not getting going in the first series, like that's OK, because now he can get it going in this series because they're going to have less guys who can stay in front of him and guard him, you know, at a respectable level. The same thing with Bam Adebayo, which Joel be there was going to be tough, obviously. Right. But. Without Joel Embiid there, it's like, yes, he should be able to take advantage of Paul Reed and DeAndre Jordan uh, in this series. Because I'm looking at the Heat right now, and you have five, you have nine minutes per game for 11 different guys on the roster. Nine minutes plus, double digits. The only guy with nine minutes was Deadman. But then other than that, it's like you go on down the line. And these are all guys who play meaningful minutes for them. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, Max Drews, Ty- Tyler Hero, P.J. Tucker, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Kayla Martin all of whom had big moments in the first series. Yeah, and see, to me, to me, that matters. It also matters that there were guys that got to play in different roles in the regular season. This is something I always talk uh, to you about, I talk to Gerard about, is that getting guys minutes in the regular season matters for these moments in the playoffs or having the confidence, even like a Victor Oladipo, like a Max Juice. Uh, what's my big man? Omer, you're seven. He yeah. played minutes when Bam was out in the regular season. Yeah. You saw that, and it's like, if you needed some minutes from Omer, you're seven, I think there's some Heat fans out there that's like, yo, I we we feel pretty oh, good that, about that. That's yeah. actually a controversial topic because there oh, are really <laughs> yeah there, there are Heat fans who like they want him to start and bam at the four and just because just because he can come in and just get ten he's one of these guys that he'll get you ten and ten in fifteen minutes 
You know what right. I mean? Like, right. <laughs> but it's like when you watch him defensively, it's like, you know, he still needs some work. And that's he still fine. needs some work. And it's, it's fine. fine. He can, and he you can know? get there. Yeah. But I mean, look, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a bad problem uh, to, to have, to have, have at, at all whatsoever. You get some love for the, the stats you brought up right there. Uh, Miami, no, I wonder what fan you're, what team you're a fan of. Uh, it's a crazy stat right there. Nick Nurse plays the starters those minutes in the preseason. Um, that's that, that's again, that's why Tor- <laughs> that's the other thing about Philly is that Toronto flamed out and like, yo, I, I can't like really overlook in my mind, like Philly had that 3 0. And then, <laughs> yo, you said was, they, they weren't able to close that out, right? Yeah, yeah. like this, it was a struggle to close I mean, close it out, but you know what I mean, right? But Philadelphia wasn't healthy the whole series. I mean, Philadelphia, Toronto wasn't healthy the whole series, and what caught up to them was mm. the same thing that Miami No here is bringing up. Is like Toronto had like a five man rotation all season long, <laughs> wow. you know? So yep. like, if Philly wasn't even able to take advantage of that, so as much as as much as I think some Heat fans will will fear that Miami will play down to their competition at times. Like, look, they're going to be fine. They should win this series in no more than six games. I was saying six with them beat healthy. I'm probably now at Heat in five, although I don't want to be too disrespectful uh, to the 76ers. But, like, I think I think the Heat will just close them out like they should. All right, there's, there's your prediction. Heat in five. Oh, here what we you, go. What, what do you say, Heat in five? Yeah, I said five. Here we okay. go. Okay. I'm I see I see someone in the comments who we know very well referenced earlier. Who uh, you know. Oh, oh what's up, Gerard? <laughs> yeah, Gerard, I, I just am glad you're letting the people know what we all know. We know B got the heat in three. Can't win a seven game series in three games. Yeah, but he's saying that's how much you love him. You, you, you'd say heat and one if you could. <laughs> you'd say heat and one if you could. Now, if this is a one-game series, whoo, boy. I would I would love the NBA to do that. But yeah, of, course, of, course, of course you for would. Another day. That's just another for, discussion for just another day. Just for the stress and anxiety and stuff. Like, All right, but let's let's let the people know, right? Because, all right, so you said heat and five. Uh, short of anger. Because Joel Embiid is out. It would be six if he were. And if he comes back, probably six. Probably six. Yeah. All right, what – what does this team need to do? What are the keys to the Heat advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals, getting the job done against uh, the Sixers with Joel Embiid or without Joel Embiid? The main thing is honestly just not playing with your food and staying healthy. I think, you know, your depth, like that second lineup against Philadelphia's second lineup is going to be a big disparity. Continue to wear Philadelphia down like the way you did to Atlanta. Philadelphia, again, Three, four guys played 39 plus minutes per game in that Raptors series. Jimmy Butler is the only one who played more than 31 minutes per game in that Hawk series and rested the last game. Like all the advantages are pointing in the Heat's direction, no matter how you feel about James Harden or Tyrese Maxey, et cetera, et cetera. Like some guys are going to get theirs and James Harden's going to have, you know, he's going to have probably, he, he may have a couple big statistical games in terms of the counting stats, but the big thing is, no matter how the stats look, if you can make people work for theirs and make it ugly and muck it up the way you did last series and you can do it in the playoffs, because this team is not far from the Atlanta Hawks team you just beat without Joel Embiid. With Joel Embiid, then obviously you have to adjust and change some things, but I still think that you can make Joel Embiid work for his with zones and matchup zones and different combinations and doubles and things of that nature. So if the Heat just stay true to who they are, they should be able to win this series in five or six games. Well, you stayed true to who you were and uh, picked the Heat to win in five or six games. <laughs> that, 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 that's you. You're going to stay true to who you are. Now, before we, before we do this, I know you're going to stick around with me to, to, to make some picks on tonight's games because this yes. is what Brian does at FanDuel. Um, you got a new show out. It's I called do. The Goods. Love the name. Love yes. the name. Love the name. Hopefully it's not too uh, – well, I won't say hopefully. Man. I was going to say, you know, some people are going to be like, that's too urban. Forget them. Um, and I'm being nice with that. Uh, <laughs> tell us about this new show, basketballnews.com. You've been doing some writing for new show, new digital show, The Goods. Brian Fonseca, tell us all about that. We're starting it off bi-weekly. And later on, it will grow into some, some more stuff. But right now, we're just dipping our toe in the water. Bi-weekly, it's basically one subject, one broader subject. And we're going to sort of dissect it, pick it apart and talk about why it matters, why it doesn't, et cetera, et cetera. The first time we talked about why there should be all NBA in the playoffs. And really it's because we talk about like playoff accomplishments in just the form of championships. And I was like, man, like if Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley and some other guys had this in their career, 
what if we look back and be like, yo, Patrick Ewing didn't win a title, but he was all NBA in the playoffs five times. That would have mattered in terms of like his legacy and things of that nature, right? Now you could imagine how it was with guys who won titles, et cetera. But I think that that would provide balance historically. And I laid out the case for why we should have been doing it and why we should do it now. And then this next one, you know, we're going to talk about sort of similar to this conversation. We're going to talk about stars and depth in the playoffs and well, things of that go. nature. So yeah, here we go. And that, that's, that's yeah. a must watch for me. <laughs> that's a must watch for that's a. Well, here's the thing. We need more of these discussions around basketball, right? It's the thing Gerard and I try to do every Wednesday, bring some nuance, not some hot takes. But I love, I love that uh, All NBA in the playoffs. I love that. I wish you know we why? had it. I wish because it, it all it also goes to Draymond's thing. You got to separate the eighty-two game players from the sixteen game players. You know what I'm saying? We should know the people that we should be able to tell the story to people that were killing it in the playoffs. Because you're right, despite. As Gerard says, rings culture, right? Despite despite all that, there are guys like Barkley and Ewing who were pretty damn good in the playoffs. Reggie Miller, pretty damn good in the playoffs. Gary Payton, pretty damn good in the playoffs. John Stockton, Carmelo, talking about yeah. guys back in the day. We can go down the we can go down the road. Um, also, guys who performed in the playoffs and put up good numbers, and then their teams didn't do nothing. Tracy McGrady, right? You 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 can you can have this. So, you know. Come on, yes, Gerard. We are talking about nuance. That that, that does happen. Some of, some of us can do that. Yeah, like I, like I, like I did the math, and I was like, yo, there were there were five different times you can make a case Patrick Ewing was one of the five best playoff guys in the Eastern Conference. Mm. So if Patrick Ewing has five playoff All NBAs and no rings, it's like, damn, he didn't win a title, but he was a damn good playoff performer. You know, at different points in the yeah. early to mid nineties, and that yeah. I think that would have mattered. Like it would have been interesting to see how many does. James Harden have? How many does Jimmy Butler have? How many does Tracy McGrady have? How many does Steve Francis or Stephon Marbury? Like some of these guys, Allen Iverson, you know what I mean? Like it'd be, I may actually go deeper and do the, the actual exercise and, and do this at some point. Probably during the summer, though, because we ain't going to have time during the season. <laughs> season. Yeah, but that's good for deep dive. Definitely check out Brian's new show, The Goods, basketballnews.com. I do have one other question for you, Brian. I feel like, you know, we're going to be doing this on the podcast at some point. We are going to have the all-Brian team. And I feel like there's a couple of guys that watched through this postseason run where I'm like, oh, oh, no, no. They're definitely making the all-Brian team. And one is supposed <laughs> to be your boy, uh, Jose Alvarado. Yes, how, like, how likely is it that he makes the all-Brian team? Oh my God. Minus 3000. That shit is happening. All right. <laughs> Jose Alvarado. Not only, not only did he piss off Chris Paul in the playoffs and got the steals and things like that Herb Jones, yes, Gerard. Herb Jones is another one I'm thinking about, although his odds aren't as, as, as locked in. Just because Gerard said lock. He it's, said lock. <laughs> I like Herb Jones a lot, so he might make it too. But here's the thing. Jose Alvarado, also, you got to remember after one of the one, one of the playing games, I believe it was, Carlos Arroyo was there, presented him with the Puerto Rico basketball jersey. Jose Alvarado's committed. He's going to be on the national team. We're Here trying we to go. qualify for the 2023 World Cup. The third window is this summer. Puerto Rico is going to play Team USA and Mexico. I think the games are actually going to be in Puerto Rico. And look, they they've already gone to the second, uh, you know, the second part. Of this, win. it's it's difficult yeah. to explain, but basically they're moving on to the next stage, regardless if they win or lose these games. But to see Jose Alvarado there carrying the mantle from JJ Barea, you know what Here I mean? Like JJ Barea is still out. playing, by the way, and still balling out. Like yo, it's it's beautiful. Now we just we need the other Puerto Ricans. I'm telling you, not Jonathan Isaac. We need the other Puerto Ricans <laughs> to to get on board and 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 like look, we we need the national team to really come back strong to where we should be. All right. Because there were times yeah. in the 60s, 70s, 80s, like we would be in the top 10 and shit qualifying for the Olympics every year. And now it's like, you know. It, you got to bring, bring the pride back. Yeah, it got tougher. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the Americas got better. And it's like, nah, no more of this shit. We got to get back with Cyrus. <laughs> Look, I'm telling y'all, that's a lot. Jose Alvarado, lock for the O'Brien team. Look, you know what's funny? I got to start coming up with, I got to, we can't just have this. We got to do all Dexter team. We need to get an all Gerard team, which is like everybody over 6'10 to keep. That's going to be it. We need to get the all Gerard team on here too. I'm going to talk to, we're going to have to talk to Gerard about that. There's two things we're going to do at the end of the year. I'm going to, I'm going to say this right now. There's two things after the season. One, I'm revealing all Brian team after the season. Two, you, me, Gerard, and Murph are doing a draft 
of the top, I don't know how many players in the NBA, 40 or 50. Maybe we incorporate one other person to make it 10, 10 man teams and make it 50. But we okay. have, we absolutely have to do this after the playoffs. Have to. Uh, I, I, this is, you have to do a draft top. 50 we have to guys? do. A dra- it's like basically everyone like we snake order, whatever the case may be. But all four or five of us or whatever. Are we going to dra- set the pool of the fifty before? Are we going to decide on this pool of the no. fifty before? No, it's, it's whoever, just whoever you think. Yes, the best players, okay. and you have to okay. you have to do you know okay. you have to just make your teams and shit. Okay. We have to do it because I have to see who has who ranked where, et cetera. Okay. I know I'm not taking Ben with the first pick. Don't even start that. Shit. Why? I wonder why anybody <laughs> would think that. All right, we're gonna take we're gonna take a real quick break. When we come back, we're gonna let you know how we're gonna pick tonight's games. Brian's gonna stick around with me for that. When we come back on NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over/under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAPX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. That's right. Use that Prize Picks promo code. Help yourself with some money, extra money. You can win some more money. Now, speaking of winning some money, uh, yesterday was not a. Not a, it wasn't a bad day. It wasn't a great day for me with the betting uh, on on these two games. Did not uh, pick right with the Celtics. Got that one wrong with the money line there. Did come through with the money line with Warriors coming through, even though they had a sweating on that. It did come through. Um, tonight, two games. One uh, we already talked about, or one of the series we talked about. So Sixers versus Heat. Uh, that'll be interesting. Mavericks versus Suns. Those second-round series will get kicked off. First game of the night will be Sixers versus Heat. The line, Brian, you and I thought this was a little interesting. Yeah. Minus seven and a half favoring the Heat. Heat at home, obviously. Uh, odds via FanDuel. What do you think about this matchup and this line? How are you betting this? Any props you like? Anything you like? How do you think about betting this game? Yeah, I, I would take the Heat to cover, but I think it'll be dicier than people think. Like, I, I thought about this more and more because I was like, I could see them just playing around a little bit and then not pulling away until later. So it might be, might not be the most comfortable line, but they should be able to cover this seven and a half spread. And I, I was also a little bit surprised that it actually was seven and a half. I thought it would be like four and a half or something like that. But, you know, the without Joel Embiid, like people are really, really off of the Sixers in a way that I guess I didn't anticipate. I didn't anticipate. And you know how I feel about James Harden. Like I'm not, he's one of my least favorite players in the NBA. I don't make any bones about that, but I'm actually surprised at like how little people seem to respect him at this point uh, in terms of his ability to carry a team. But I also think some of this is not even just him. It's just Doc Rivers and maybe they're, maybe they do see the lack of depth that we're talking about here. So yeah, I do think the heat should cover this and I may even entertain pushing it to like nine and a half if I want to alternate spread. Yeah. I see the heat. Uh, covering this. I feel pretty good about this bet. I saw the seven and a half and I'm like, it wouldn't shock me if this line jumped up to eight and a half by before the game tonight. Um, I thought he should get it on. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me though. I think getting this early, um, there probably will be a lot of money on the heat. I think so, which I understand if you are a heat fan, this might concern you, Brian and I were talking about this off air, which is like, look, you know, sometimes, you know, you're now at the top where everybody's looking to you to produce and, you wonder how teams respond to that. You're expected to win when the expectations change. But, no, I think the Heat, I think they're just too good. I think they've been waiting. They've been rested. I expect a good defensive effort. It wouldn't shock me if the Heat blew them out in this game because I think the Sixers have an adjustment to make yeah. in terms of playing without Joel Embiid. And I do think that's going to be a tougher adjustment for them um, because they haven't done it because of what Brian said in our previous segment with the lack of depth, right? That's what concerns me here. And so – I think the Heat are going to come out inspired. I think they're going to come out pretty strong at home. 
Um, and so I would say, yeah, if you really feel confident about the Heat, and I said I wouldn't be shocked if they blow them out, but if you really feel confident about that, maybe look at an alternate spread where you're talking about minus nine and a half. You know, think they can win by ten and a more, ten or more. FanDuel has some good odds in that where you can get a little bit just over even money there. So look at some stuff like that. I don't think it's that crazy. Um, I'm going to go with the Heat to cover here, minus seven and a half. Um, and I think there could probably be some interesting props around there. I also like Bam to be really good in this series. This is going to make Brian happy. Let's just look at him smile. It's going to make him happy. Um, I like His over-under moved down to 18 and a half. It was 19 and a half last night. Now it's 18 and a half on fans. That's tantalizing there for me because um, I think he can do some damage scoring. I think he can have a better offensive series than he had against Atlanta for the reasons Brian mentioned before, too, coming back from COVID, getting time to get his legs, feet under him. I, I can see some good stuff with Bam getting a double, getting some double doubles here and putting up over twenty points in multiple games in this series. So I would take a look at that too. Now, second game of the night: Mavericks versus Suns. Lines a little bit closer than here, which tells me, look, some respect for the Mavericks here and how they've played, particularly on the defensive end too. Uh, Suns here five and a half point favorites. They are at home in Game One of the series. Uh, Brian, how do you see this? Uh, how do you see this going here? And your boy Gerard Hector's letting you know that your boy Bam better dominate with MB. But what he's really saying to you is, yo, Bam needs to play like Triple J, son. Why are you playing like Triple J? He needs to do that. That's what he's saying without saying it. You can say it, Gerard. Gerard, I'll say it for you. Y'all know I'm just interested. Go ahead, Brian. That is what he's saying. Um, Yeah. And look, he may not need to dominate without Embiid, but he should is the point, right? Like, he may not need to for them to win, but he should. Um, So Gerard's right about that. In terms of this, like, I feel a little bit better about about uh the heat covering than i do the suns just because like i don't know i have this weird like a lot of respect for dallas maybe it's because i was impressed with how they handled uh the utah jazz even without luka Doncic there for a stretch and they were up 2-1 before he got back and then again utah was you know they're on the verge of like imploding and we're gonna see what happens there in terms of organizationally because you and i are gonna be talking about that because they're donovan mitchell's been linked to the knicks the links to the heat at some point too. So we'll see about that. But yeah, I, I still feel good about the Suns, though. That being said, covering this minus five and a half spread against the Dallas Mavericks. I like Dallas very much and how they defend. Uh Jason Kidd's really impressed me as a coach this year, uh, in a way that I was not ready for, though I did like Dallas very much coming into the season. And I typically don't like when one guy is super high usage. It was the James Harden thing I was railing against, but this team can get to a higher level defensively than those Houston Rockets teams. I feel like um, that we've seen in a way that again, surprises me. Dorian Finney Smith has been very good uh, in the playoffs. Jalen Brunson's had a 40 point game and he's playing for his money and Spencer Dinwiddie can make some big shots. So like the Dallas Mavericks are going to be a pain in the ass to guard, but I think Phoenix, you know, they're a well-oiled machine. They should be fine with whoever they throw out there. I think Phoenix ultimately does win this series in about five or six games, but I think Dallas is going to be very competitive uh, most times throughout, but, I'm rolling with Phoenix. Rolling with them here. I do feel like I'm with you on this line, though, at five and a half. I think some of these games and series are going to be really close, kind of like some of the games we saw towards the end of the Utah series. Dallas is good defensively. I just don't think they'll have enough, um, probably on the inside. I, wor- I worry about yeah. how dealing with Aiden. That's yeah. the concern for me. And if you're looking at some stuff to maybe take tonight, look at some – don't sleep on DeAndre Aiden. Look at some yeah. DeAndre Aiden double-doubles. One thing Phoenix has always done really well – in terms of is feeding the beast of DeAndre Ayan when they know they have these matchup advantages. And I think this is one of the ones where they know that they do. It's a strength for them. Uh, you want to keep your eye on the series on how Booker plays. I'm probably still going to stay away from any player props with him early in the series. But as far as tonight's game goes, like the Suns here to cover. I'm, not, I'm with Brian. I'm not as confident as I am with Miami in the seven and a half on this. But I would go with this. I would go with the Suns here. Um, I think for the games that Dallas is going to have to win, you're going to have to see some big games from Luka. I think Luka will get a triple-double at some point in the series. So maybe some games you want to throw uh, some money on that. It's first time in the second round. But uh, I like the Suns here tonight. I'm with Brian. I th- I'm going to give the Mavs two games here in the series, though. I think the Mavs get two because I think Luka's that good. Um, and I think the defense they've been playing is that good. I think they get two games in the series, and I think they might lose some really tough ones where we look back and be like, damn, that." Could have gone the other way to Dallas, but we'll see. But I like the I like the Suns tonight. So give me the Suns to cover. Give me the Heat to cover. Um, and you know, hopefully, hopefully we uh, win some money and y'all don't lose some either. So that should that should be pretty good. Um, yeah. 
who's who's winning it all, Brian? At this point, who's winning it all? Oh, same, everybody's asking me that. Like people ask me that yesterday at work, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I I have no idea. Whoever's the healthiest, like I have no idea. Like yep. it's, a, it's Phoenix is there for me. Um, Golden State is absolutely there for me at this point. Um, Miami is there for me. Milwaukee's there for me. Those are the four that I have most confidence in because those are the four I think will win their respective series. Um, and Boston, like you know, they got to figure some things out. But like you know, Milwaukee, like even without Chris Middleton, is very good, and they're going to be a tough if if they if they beat Boston, they're going to be very tough for Miami to overcome, even with Miami having the home court advantage. So. I think it's going to be one of those four teams, and you could throw Boston in there as the fifth. I think it's going to be one of those five. I know that's a cop-out. I would still say that at this point. I, I would still favor Phoenix at this point, but I don't know. Something tells me that the favorite is not going to win at all this year. Like, I'm feeling that way now. It's weird. I like. I kind of yeah. think I kind of think Golden State might sneak up on some people uh, against Phoenix in a way that I don't think they anticipated. And, you know, the Jordan Poole factor is a big one that, like, I, that dude is having some unreal playoff performances. I'm just hoping that we get that series, Golden State Phoenix. I want yeah. that. It's good. And I'm, I want that too. Right now, I'm kind of with you on this. Right now, I'm kind of inclined to pick Golden State. I'm probably inclined to pick, pick Phoenix. But that is it. We have a lot more to talk about, a lot more in terms of betting. That is it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Brian, thanks for joining me, man. It's good to talk to you as always. Yep. Uh, everybody will see us tomorrow morning. We'll be doing a live episode of the NBA Exchange, will be excuse me, NBA Exchange, A Hard Tell Podcast, where we did our episode of NBA Exchange. We're doing a live episode of that tomorrow morning, so be there where it'll be a very interesting vibe because maybe Brian will be very happy coming <laughs> off of the heat, man, or maybe he'll be in a particularly bad mood. Nobody knows. We shall see. Well, they better not lose game one. <laughs> Otherwise, you will not be in a good mood. I look, I know, I know I'm, I'm the person who coined weird shit always happens in game one. They absolutely better not lose game one. Like, yes. <laughs> I do not want to be on Twitter if that's going to happen because Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, that'll be, that will be it. Well, we'll be back on Wednesday. Gerard Hector will be joining me for all you NFT motherfuckers. Stay away from people's Twitter accounts. I see you <laughs> hacking people and locking them out. Yeah, Two I know. Factor some, authenticator. Fuck I, that. I know somebody. Right? I know somebody who got hacked. They hit me up yesterday about that. Uh, fellow journalist. So yeah, that's, that's, that, that's rough. All right, we will be back on Wednesday. NBA Exchange. Gerard Hector will be me. Brian will be with me tomorrow on the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. I'm Dexter Henry. He's Brian Fonseca. Until next time, y'all, peace.